Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here, wherever you listen to your podcasts. My name is Kenny, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you today? Kenny, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I can't grumble. Um, I'm um, making good progress on the next installment of What Else is Going Down. I've got something happening on Friday, as you know, which I can't talk about yet because we're not allowed to talk about these things until they happen. But rest assured, after it happens, I'll let you know all about it uh, next week on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, I feel like I'm in full deadline mode already on the next issue. And the current issue is not even out yet. Yeah, so it always, always feels like we're, 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 ones, like we don't, we're already working on the next one before the current one comes out. So by the time the current one comes out, it's like that felt like a month ago. You know, but yes. you then got to remember that for everybody else, that's... I mean, well, you, you've this has been the story of your life, right? You've you've been going through this forever, so you're way more used to it than I am. No, but, yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. yeah. But um, the the machine never stops rolling, and nor can it ever, because when it does stop rolling, we're on issue two, three, seven of power slam status, and everything stops. <laughs> we don't want that. We don't want to go through that again. No, well, that's, I, I wouldn't dare put you through that. Um, 
Well, listen, let's uh, let's dive in. We've got lots to talk about. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about AEW last week, but I did want to bring up a couple of things from last week's Dynamite that I thought were worth a mention. Um, there was a promo from Hangman Adam Page on uh, to John Moxley. They got kind of a lot of rave reviews um, in their Toronto debut last week. Um, people saying that Page showed some fire here. I mean, could it be that you know maybe the only person who's benefited out of this? shit show has <laughs> been you know the last couple of months in AEW as Paige well maybe I mean yeah I mean he really fired himself up and I felt like John Moxley was um he was seeking that reaction uh Moxley was you know pressing all the buttons and trying to provoke that response from him trying to you know light the fire in him and you know maybe convince people that once again, Page might be champion in the future because I mean, ever since he lost the championship, he's just been kind of meandering. He's been back with the Dark Order, and he's not with the Dark Order, and he turns up in these matches that don't really mean anything. Um, I mean, it was a, I mean, the whole battle royal that he won to earn this title match. I mean, that was a very strange battle royal, Kenny. I mean, it was like a lot of them were treating it almost like a joke. It yeah. was a strange match, wasn't it? It was I wouldn't say it's the worst battle royal I've ever seen. I have seen worse battle royals than that, but it was a it was a pretty awful battle royal. And some of the eliminations were so far from convincing. It was like they were I felt like they were mocking me for being a wrestling fan. You know, sometimes when you watch wrestling and you you get that emotion that the people in the ring aren't really taking their job very seriously, and you think, I'm watching this. You know, I want to be entertained by what you're doing. You're being paid to do this. This is on national TV. Try a little bit harder. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really... You know, there were so many people in the Battle Royal that were clearly never going to win. I mean, there's so few people who could have won. Really, only Paige. Um, I mean, who else in that Battle Royal, Kenny, could have won? Con- conceivably could have won the match. I mean, there's nobody in my... I do, I, I, I'd be lying if I said to you, I remember everybody who was in it. But I mean, yeah, he's really the only person because, you know, there's other people in there like, you know, Rush or Penta who are all very good wrestlers, but they, they've not... They, they, you wouldn't buy them in that position. Exactly. So I mean, Lance, Lance Archer was presented as this killer in it, but I mean, Lance isn't going to have another run at the title, surely? I mean... No. He, Seldom appears on Dynamite. Never mind challenges for the belt on Dynamite. I mean, when you think about it, you know, if, you, if you've got five top stars, you know, sorry, four top stars who have just been taken out of the game by that September thing, I mean, Paige, you know, automatically is just kind of pepped up. So, I mean, I'm I'm curious what they do. I mean, I, I don't imagine for a second that t- that tonight, actually, as we record this, um, because it's Tuesday special because it's NXT and AEW going head to head again. Yeah. Um, I don't imagine Paige is going to win, but I, I assume he's going to have a, perf- a gutsy performance that, you know, uh, that, that, that is, is worthy of it. But I, again, I wonder where he goes from there. Where, what do you do with him next? Does he go yeah. after him? I mean, I mean, hopefully it will reheat him. I mean, it, it was a really impassioned speech that he gave about he's not a boy, you know, he's a man, he's 31, you know, he's married he's got a child and you know his friends have left and you know he's 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 somebody that just wants to be a star again and wants to be the man again and and he's more than what moxley made him out to be i mean there's only like is it like five years between moxley 
and Hangman Adam Page. Mm -hmm. And um, by the way, Moxley was talking to him. It was as if Moxley was 15 years older than him. And Page had only been in the business for a few years. I mean, Page is a veteran. He's been around a long time. Obviously, previously been a champion. He's beaten some very big names in pro wrestling. Headline pay-per-views. So in some ways, I found the way it was presented was, you know, erroneous it was like the information that was being presented just wasn't factually correct obviously page has been champ he's been a big star blah 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 and yet moxie was treating him like he was a pretender to the crown and didn't really deserve the match and wasn't going to be any sort of threat to him and maybe that was the whole purpose of it to really fire page up but you're right it's i think it's very important tonight that page has a really really powerful showing against moxley I don't think Page is going to win, and nor should he, because we're fairly confident that it's going to be Moxley versus MJF at full gear next month. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't think Hangman Page versus Hangman Adam Page versus MJF is really doesn't really feel like a, a pay per view main event to me at this point. So, I don't think he should win. But as long as the match reheats him to some extent, then you know it will have achieved something. But yeah, I mean, what happens after that? And this is the problem with AEW. When it comes to telling long-term stories, it, it's not usually very good at that. It does occasionally do some stories quite well, but when, and particularly when people uh, lose a title and then you're no longer the center of attention, they very quickly get lost, and there's not like a backup plan for them to preserve them and protect them from falling to the bottom of the card and being nobodies. And that's essentially what's happened to Hangman Adam Page, isn't it? Is that he was champ, lost the belt, and he's just really got lost. Yeah, he really has. I mean, but I mean, I think this, like I said, the, the, the positive coming out of all the stuff in September is that Page is kind of being reheated again. So hopefully they keep that up. And um, we did also see the, the debut of Renee Paquette. She was uh, across the show being the backstage interviewer. Um, do you, do you think, is it good to have her in this role? Are you happy to see her? Are you not? How do you feel? Um, I mean, she, I mean, what a crowd in Toronto. I mean, they were so hot all night long. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the thing with the AEW crowds. They are usually, not always, but usually really, really, you know, they provide a hell of an atmosphere. They're so loud and enthusiastic, boisterous, you name it. And when Renny Paquette appeared, it was like, it was like, you know, Hulk Hogan, wasn't it, on that SmackDown? Well, not quite. Was it the SmackDown after WrestleMania 18? There was a famous SmackDown. But you, you're, you're thinking of the Montreal one where he just yeah, turned Montreal. red and yellow again. Yeah, it wasn't quite that level. But Renny was, she must have been really moved by the response to her. Yeah. I mean, that was a booming reaction. I mean, anyone would have been delighted with that response. Um, so yeah, she you know she held the mic. Um, you know, I feel sorry for a for a predecessor. What's happened to her? <laughs> she's she's been supplanted by Renee, who's obviously far more famous. I mean, it's not really a very difficult job, is it, holding the mic backstage? So we'll see. I mean, I think she's always been she's always been somebody who kind of feels like she is more of a character doing it but not in a way that overshadows the talent which i think is quite a hard skill to to learn because i mean we've had what feels like 20 women who all kind of look very similar and you know you, you kind of only remember the current one that they have so 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, Renee was always going to go where Moxley was going to be. Sure, you know? yeah. So, and that's you know, you you would if you were with your partner, you would you would be there. And uh, she got a good nice. reaction. Uh, the other thing I was going to bring up was we did see Daniel Garcia make his choice in the end, and he chose Chris Jericho and cost uh, Brian Danielson the title match. What do you think is the more interesting storyline way to go? Uh, Garcia being with Blackpool Combat Club or him staying with the Jericho Appreciation Society? I mean, I, I don't know. It just reminds me of the, the the Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy thing where he did the heel turn and then it turned out to be a ruse and then he was pals with Jack Perry again, Jungle Boy, and then he turned heel on Jack Perry again. And At least, caused... at least this one... At least this one actually there's a there's a story and there's a kind of a bit of nuance to like who is he gonna pick, what's going on. The Luchasaurus one was just baffling. Because yeah. he just turned up once. It was like, oh, I thought he was I thought he was a heel now. Oh no, he's a baby face. No, he's a heel again. He's a um, heel again now. Yeah, he's a heel again now. He's attacked Jack Perry, and that's enabled Christian Cage to beat Perry at all out. And now Luchasaurus and uh Christian Cage are in this feud with Jungle Boy. Um I mean, with Daniel Garcia, I mean, I mean, the match Jericho versus Danielson on last week's Dynamite, I mean, it was okay. Um, but Danielson lost. Yet another loss for Danielson, who just now feels like, just feels like just another guy, sadly. Um, I mean, he Where does he still... go now? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's lost so many matches this year. And, I mean, I thought he was going to be champ. Instead, they made Moxley champ. I mean, obviously, we had all the, the chaos in September. Paul stole out. Um, but, I mean, I thought Danielson was a shoe-in to become champ um, in that tournament. And instead, of course, it was Moxley in one. And also, after the match in which Moxley beat Danielson to win the vacant title, wasn't Danielson, like, really angry with Moxley? We saw, I mean, it seemed like they were running long on that show. And they did the finish. Uh, but it did seem like Danielson was upset that he'd lost to Moxley. And there was like, he reacted angrily and then the show went off the air. And I don't think that's been explored further. No, I think when they went off the air, it, it played out. But they should have 100% played that on TV the following Wednesday. That, yeah. you know, Danielson was really frustrated because he really wanted to win. But ultimately, he was happy for his cohort but they, they needed to air that like yeah you know. it's like why wasn't that on you've got a story here i mean the stories are so thin in aew at the moment i think the general standard of wrestling is, is as good as it's ever been in aew but i just find the stories to be so thin you like no almost every story is either is is really thin it's just got no sub or got very little substance to it or doesn't really make much sense i mean the whole jericho versus danielson match was just baffling to me kenny I mean, it was in Toronto, so Jericho was there. He's the heel, right? Only he was treated as a babyface because he was in his home country. So Brian Danielson was booed against Jericho. I mean, at one point, Jericho did a top rope hurricane rana and then played to the crowd, and he celebrated as fans cheered him. So he was clearly seeking that babyface response. And then later in the match, Danielson applied a Boston crab on Jericho and was booed. <laughs> Danielson lost the match after Daniel Garcia turned heel on him. I mean, is anyone keeping up with this? So Jericho was a heel, but he was cheered. Danielson was a face, but he was booed. And then Danielson was screwed by Daniel Garcia at the end of the match. 
So who's the heel and who's the face here, Kenny? Who am I supposed to be rooting for? Can someone explain this to I mean, me? Usually I mean, it's pro wrestling. It's not supposed to be complicated. I mean, I, I don't think the story in itself is complicated of who we're supposed to cheer and who you're supposed to boo. I think the problem is they did it in Toronto, where obviously, like you say, everything gets switched around. So, so why do it in Toronto? Yeah, well, yeah, I agree. Should, you know, why not just do that this week in Cincinnati? Yeah, in Cincinnati. When... The, the right person would have been cheered, the right person would have been booed, and the Daniel Garcia swerve Vince Russo heel turn would have provoked the reaction that they were seeking. So as far as Daniel Garcia goes, I don't care. I just don't care about this guy. <laughs> I mean, we had the tag match, was it uh, the previous week? Yes. And they built and built to the big showdown between Garcia and Jericho. And I was thinking, wow, they put so much TV time they invested so much in this. And it was like a muted response to the big showdown between Garcia and Jericho. And then the, the very next week, Garcia turns on Danielson and rejoins the Jericho Appreciation Society. This should have played out over many, many weeks or even months. And it's just all been condensed into a few weeks for no reason. The storytelling is garbage. <laughs> See how you really feel, Finn. Um, well, listen, let's move on uh, to SmackDown this past week. It was obviously the return of Bray Wyatt. Um, they were quite cheeky in basically advertising them for last week's Raw and then playing the whole Extreme Rules thing and not having him there and then telling you he's on SmackDown. But he did turn up on SmackDown. He was there. He was the main event promo. Um, and it was a different Bray Wyatt that we got. What did you make of his appearance, his promo, and... Uh, how are you feeling about the it going forward? Well, Wyatt came out and, um, you know, it was all very spooky. And then he appeared in the ring and it was as if it was the real man, the wind and real thunder. Like it wasn't Bray Wyatt. And he was, you know, he was talking about how um, this was a new side to him, that he was in the, the ring, this version of himself. This was who he really was, a version of himself that we'd never seen on TV before. He seemed really touched when uh, people chanted, welcome back. I think someone yelled, uh, we love you. And he said, I love you back. And uh, he mentioned that, you know, he'd lost his career and his confidence and lost people who were important to him. Um, but he talked about how in ordinary everyday life, he'd met all these people who come up to him and told told Wyatt how important he was to them and how his messages had how his messages had got them through difficult times. And he he was really, you know, he was really seemed very touched by the whole experience. And I, I was really, I didn't really know what to make of, of any of it. And then at the end of it, this spooky video appeared on the big screen and that was it. So was this some type of ruse? This Wyatt, this version, this real version of Wyatt that we that we saw who appeared in the ring at the end of the program, um, or is that going to be like a, a yet another alter ego, another version of this character? Because we've already got quite a few versions of Bray Wyatt, haven't we, Kenny, on TV? Yes, we do. So I guess the idea is that the storyline is supposed to be that there is somebody or there is a, some sort of being who does not want the real man to be able to be himself or something. Um, 
I think that's the story. I mean, I thought the pro the promo was good, and you know, people were people liked that he was quite emotional, and you know, he kind of had a nod to Brody Lee by talking about how he's lost people. Yeah. Um. So that, but I mean, it's 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 way too early to kind of know where it's going to go or what's going to or where or what's going to happen. But um, I did like that he was there, sort of as I think when he wrestles, he kind of has to be that guy that was in the ring. Like he has to be a version of Bray Wyatt with his face, no mask. Yeah, no, su no supernatural powers. Yeah, you can have that outside of the the match, but you know, I think, and and when you're when you're actually wrestling, it needs to be this a version of this guy. So, he needs to be a human being, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I I enjoyed the segment. You know, big big reaction for him then at the end because he he does this kind of emotional speech to the crowd saying, you know, he thought that uh, everything he did here didn't matter, but he was wrong because everyone's come up to him and told him how much what he did meant to them. And at the end, the lights go out and a video plays with, the, you know, someone with the new Wyatt mask on, a distorted voice sort of saying, you've got no idea who you're dealing with, but you will. And then the Wyatt family sounder thing happened with the insect logo, and that was the end of the show. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, the thing is, it's really hard to know where this is going to go. I mean, I think the important thing is that it's a different character. And we talked when after we'd returned, and actually some time back, when we were asked whether or not you know what would happen when he returned. You know, how what character would he play? What would he do? And you know, our conclusion was that he couldn't be the fiend again. He couldn't be this indestructible supernatural being because he was just. You know, it was not a constructive character. It was a destructive character for his opponents. So it does feel like they've changed course with him and they've worked out that they, he couldn't be that guy again or couldn't be that character again because it just wasn't working with his opponents. And it just wasn't working in terms of providing match quality either, was it? Every time The Fiend had a match, afterwards all you heard was, was people complaining about how rotten it was. And how it was just didn't contribute anything to the show or or worse, made the show worse. So I hope we are going to get, you know, a, a character that can do the give and take, can put people over in a meaningful way. And also when it, when the character wins, you know, it won't feel hokey and ridiculous and absurd or any more absurd than it needs to be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes and I'm glad it's changed. You know, I, I'm so pleased that it's changed. And I think it can be both so long as the Wyatt character who wrestles has like human characteristics and can be hurt and beaten up and can lose, can do all the things that a normal wrestler can do. Um, elsewhere on SmackDown, we also had uh, Sam, Sami Zayn against Kofi Kingston. And beforehand, they were on the phone, they were wrestling and Sami was on the phone to Roman Reigns. And uh, basically, Jay wants to speak to him. And the, the inference is that Roman has said Jay needs to help Sammy win. So on this occasion, Jay does sneak up onto the apron and kick Kofi Kingston so that the pin, the, the kind of pin that Kingston had set up got reversed. Sammy Zane got the win. And then later on, Sammy wouldn't give Jay the credit. So they're being pretty inventive here about how they keep it going with Roman not around. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, it was funny when they were backstage and um, Zayn and Jay were having a, their weekly argument. And then Roman Reigns 
made the phone call and Sammy and Rain's on the phone and they're having it sharing an inside joke and Sammy says to to uh, Jay, oh, it's an inside joke, you wouldn't get it. And then, you know, they're cracking up and having a, you know, it's all jovial atmosphere and then hands the phone to Jay and Jay is once again receiving a dressing down from Roman and has to hand the phone back to Sammy and the mood changes and Rain and Sammy are, are best pals and everything. And yeah, Jay ended up helping Sammy defeat Kofi Kingston. Thought it was a really good match, actually, really, really well done. And then backstage afterwards, as you said, Sammy refused to acknowledge that Jay had helped him win the match. And then Jay said to Solo, uh, Solo Sokoa backstage, well, did you see me help Sammy Zayn? <laughs> and uh, and Solo goes, uh, no, uh, no, I didn't. I was watching Sammy and he said, you know, I, I could learn a lot from you. And Jay's like even more put out, you know, what's going on here? I like Sammy's beaming because everyone loves him and Jay's in the doghouse. So, yeah, I mean, what I like about the whole bloodline thing is that even when Roman Reigns isn't there, he's still involved in the story. Whether yeah. he's making a phone call or whether his name's been brought up and the orders, the following have been, you know, directives actually come from Roman. So he's still there in spirit, if not in body. So it all, it just does all work really well. Um, but the big story of SmackDown, of course, was Rey Mysterio, who turned up to basically tell Triple H that he had to quit. And Triple H was like, you know, give me some time, let's figure this out. And Triple H's uh, solution is to draft Rey to SmackDown, and Rey ends up uh, <clears throat> putting the fatal four-way, because um, Karen Cross was taken out of it, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and Rey Mysterio ends up winning the Fatal 4-Way against Ricochet, Sheamus and Solo Sokoa. So he now has the next Intercontinental title shot against Gunther, and he's now on SmackDown. So I think if you ignore the fact that everyone just goes on both brands anyway, it dilutes the whole, you know, Rey Mysterio's being drafted. If you can ignore that, I think this is really good. But I understand that it is, it is a bit of a chat, a bit of a stretch, given that everybody, you know, is on different shows all the time now. Uh, that's true. They are. Um, I mean, I thought I did like the the conversation backstage between Ray and, and Triple H, and you know, it was not rushed at all, and it felt very solemn and serious, and you know, not over the top pro wrestling. And Ray just that's it, you know, said, no matter what happens, I cannot fight my son. You know, I can't take it anymore. This is what Ray was saying to Triple H. Then he just said, I quit, and Triple H told Ray, you know, listen, just give me five minutes. Let's talk about this. Maybe we can reach a compromise. So Ray went into Triple H's office. And then uh, we should actually mention, Kenny, this important part of the story on the show was um, SmackDown opened and there was like a, there'd been a car accident in the uh, in the car park and Karrion Cross was staggering around. He'd been involved in this car accident. Um, and then Drew McIntyre appeared and beat down Cross as Cross is, you know, disorientated from the car accident. Now, Cross was supposed to participate in a fatal four-way match um, to name the new number one contender to the Intercontinental title. Now, because Cross, uh, because Cross had been in the accident due to the injuries that he supposedly suffered in the accident, he was unable to compete in the fatal four-way match. So it was at that point that we learned that Rey Mysterio had been signed by Triple H exclusively to the SmackDown brand 
and Rey Mysterio was one of the four in the Fatal 4-Way match. Thought I would mention that, Kenny, because otherwise it wouldn't have made much sense if I didn't rewind it back to the start of the programme. Yeah, no, no, it's, 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 it's fair to mention it, Finn. I was going to mention that next, but it's, it's, it's that, that is there. That was the reason that Ray was able to get in the four Ravens to, you know, take Karrion Cross's place. Um, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was good. I really enjoyed the Ray Mysterio Triple H stuff. But I do think in the near future, WWE do need to uh, address this whole brand issue of people jumping everywhere all the time because it does dilute stories like this a little bit where, you know, the Judgment Day could just turn up as Omas did on this episode or as uh, or bro- as Braun Strowman did in this episode, sorry. Um, yes. We need to we need to figure out, is, is there still a brand split specifically? Are there exceptions? Give us what the exceptions are so that we can, you know, weave that into the story. Because the Rey Mysterio and Dom stuff is really good and it'd be a shame to let it be mired in them not being able to, to decide what they're doing with the brand split. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose at the moment it gives them the flexibility to to create you know, the Omas turning up in the crowd to stare down Braun Strowman, so they can do that. Um, but I am with you, and I think after Survivor Series they need to do that. I mean, it's usually around about is it like late October, or early November they usually do the draft, don't they? I don't know whether yes. they're going to bother doing one this year. Yeah, but well, yeah, they just need to decide what the like are they still going to have Raw and SmackDown rosters? separate and if, if there's going to be people who can jump i think that needs to be there needs to be a reason as to why people are jumping because you know like there is no reason in storyline why dom and judgment day couldn't just come to smackdown like you know four or five other people do most weeks so um well that's it yeah we should, should mention yeah it was ricochet versus sheamus versus solo sokoa versus Rey mysterio in the four, fatal four way to name the new number one contender to the IC title, and Mysterio pin Ricochet to win the match. I thought the match was really well done, and uh, Ricochet looked like he was having the time of his life wrestling Rey Mysterio. Yeah, um, but yeah, Mysterio. What's Mysterio? He's coming up. What is he? Forty-eight. I think he's. Is he forty-nine? I think he was born in seventy-three. I think November seventy-three he was born. I'm looking up right now. So he's coming up. He's either 48 or 49, I think. 47. He'll be 48 in December. Oh. 11th of December, 74. 74, not 73. I apologise. But he's still up there in years. And, um, you know, putting together some of the you know best stuff he's done in a long time. And I like the fact that he's been detached from Raw, moved over to SmackDown away from his son. I'm sure it's going to be revisited. Maybe in Raw Rumble, I'm not sure. But I'm sure Ray and Dominic will eventually wrestle, may actually be WrestleMania before they have that match. So I think by separating the two, it preserves that for the future. And it enables Dom to do his stuff with the Judgment Day and go off and try and make a go of it by himself. As we saw on Raw, he received a ringing endorsement from the creative team, didn't he, Kenny? We'll get to that shortly, I'm sure. Um but uh, yeah, I think it makes sense for them to be on separate brands. And I'm with you as well. I think after Survivor Series, they need to come up with more of this brand exclusivity just so that um, there's more discipline. And then when something like this does happen, there's a reason for it. And people can't just show up when they feel like it. Um, yeah, 100%. Um, well, listen, let's move on to Raw, which took place last night, and it opened with a hell of a brawl between Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. 
to set up their uh, you know obvious crown jewel match that they're going to have coming up on November fifth. But um, I mean, as 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 opening segment brawls go, you couldn't really get much better than this. No, I, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, we probably have seen better, but I mean, it was it was pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, it was really good, and and they needed this as well because, as we saw when Lashley turned on Lesnar, sorry, when Lesnar turned on Lashley, that just came out of the blue, and it sort of took us most of us by surprise, and um, we needed something like a continuation of that to give us a reason to care about this upcoming match between the two at Crown Jewel, which was announced on Raw, so that is now definitely happening. Um, so, yeah, Lashley called Lesnar out, start the show. Lesnar did arrive. Um, they fought at ringside. Lashley speared Lesnar through the barrier into the timekeeper's area and then hammered him, smashed him through the announce desk, um, and they were, like, pulled apart. So, I mean, I thought, you know, Lashley looked strong here, which he needed to after the way in which he was beaten down and the way in which he lost the US title the previous week. So it was a real comeback um, angle stroke brawl for Lashley, which he obviously needed after the events of the previous week. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty hot. I mean, I'm still, I mean, I know why this match is happening. It's to give Les- Lesnar something to do at Crown Jewel, but it just all feels like it's just come from out of nowhere. And I'm not, you know, I'm hoping that this isn't like a proper Lesnar heel turn because he was doing so well as a babyface. And that character, I think, is so much more interesting, him as a babyface, than Lesnar as a heel in October 2022. So I'm hoping at the end of all this, Lesnar's still going to somehow get away with being a face, Kenny. That's my point. Yeah, and I think he will. I I, I get the feeling that this is just a kind of a, in this match, Brock's probably going to play more of the heel, but I, I can't imagine Brock not being a babyface going into WrestleMania season, whatever it is he gets up to. Um, but yeah, great, great brawl. Um, really hot stuff. Um, the Judgment Day, after uh, Gallows and Anderson had beat the Alpha Academy, they challenged, um, Judgment Day challenged AJ Styles and the uh, Gallows and Anderson, the club, whatever they're called now. Uh, the, to, OC. The, the OC. The OC. The OC. Um, challenged them to a six-man tag at Crown Jewel. They've accepted. Um, oh no, so AJ says he want, they want to face them at Crown Jewel, and then sort of. Oh no, yeah, no so they challenged the, uh, the OC and AJ, which they accept, and then AJ challenges Dom to a match on Raw, um, and the, uh, Dom kind of seems res- resistant to do it, and then Rhea accepts for him, um, and he agrees to do it in like an hour's time. Um, and then we get the match with AJ and Dom, which I thought was pretty decent, actually. Um, AJ Styles, I mean, he doesn't seem... He's not on fire. But he's not, like, as cold as a Greg sausage roll anymore. Do you know what yeah. I mean? There's, there's a slight bit of heat there. There's a bit of warmth going on, which is better than we had a month ago. So keep keep an eye on AJ Styles' temperature watch here. <laughs> well, I mean, I think the problem, the Dominic versus... AJ Styles match had was that no one believed that Dominic was going to win. No. And that was the that was the thing the thing that led it down in terms of crowd interaction and crowd enthusiasm for it. And when Dominic scored the surprise upset pin, people were like, wow, what I didn't see that coming. You know, what a what a stunning outcome. 
So I think that was helpful as well for Dominic, certainly because he scored this big win over veteran AJ Styles. And I think it actually will be helpful for Styles as well because it was something out of the ordinary that people were not anticipating. And sometimes pro wrestlers need that, especially ones who feel a bit stale. Um, so, I, you know, I would I actually thought it was a really gutsy booking decision by WWE and the right thing to do. Um, I mean, the thing that set it up was the Alpha Academy versus Gallows and Carl Anderson. Now, I understand that Gallows and Anderson have just returned and they needed a win. But I really hope, Kenny, that there's going to be some pot of gold, some reward for Otis and Chad Gable for the stellar work that they have been doing. Not only with tremendous performances against, you know, Braun Strowman, you know, Street Profits and here against Gallows and Anderson, but just putting people over, you know, without question and wholeheartedly and with enthusiasm and just really giving so much of themselves to their opponents. Um, so I'm hoping, yeah, the Alpha Academy are going to get their reward at the end of all this. So Gallows ended up pinning Chad Gable uh, with the uh, after the Magic Killer. Then the Judgment Day came out and Finn Balor reminded, you know, everyone that he was the one that started the OC. Uh, then Balor challenged the OC to a six-man match at Crown Jewel. That was accepted. And then that led to the AJ Styles um, challenge to Dominic Mysterio. He called him a punk, a piece of trash. And it didn't seem like Dominic really wanted to face AJ. But as you said, Rhea Ripley kind of strong-armed him into it. You know, you've got to do this. Step up. Are you a man or a mouse? You know, and um, and then the match happened and Dom scored this stunning uh, upset pinfall. So, yeah, quite a, an extraordinary turn of events. Um, well, elsewhere on Raw, we did see the return of JBL. He uh, <laughs> he came out and, um, you know, I, I mean, I dislike the guy immensely, but I thought he did a really good promo. Um, he, you know, knows how to be unlikable when he wants to be. Um, but he brought out his newest acquisition, uh, Baron Corbin, who comes out with new gear, he's got his hat on, he's now called Baron Corbin rather than Happy Corbin. And then, in what felt just like a continuous gut punch, it's Baron Corbin's back, he's wrestling, he's wrestling against Dolph Ziggler, and it's going to go 13 and a half minutes. I mean, imagine, Finn, if we were, if we were watching this live and it was like two. 20 in the morning. Well, Baron Corbin. I mean, obviously, some people do watch Raw live. I I, I don't know why. (laughs) I can only assume that maybe, you know, they they work unsociable hours. Well, you know, for those people. At night. But I tell you what, Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler, that'd send people to sleep. (laughs) It almost almost sent me to sleep in the middle of the afternoon. I don't. I only watched that hour after I'd woke up, and I was like, I'm, I'm, I could fall right back into my sleep again with this. I mean, just grim. I mean, the the crowd, the crowd were chatting bum ass Corbin at Corbin. Um, but yeah, I, I find it hard to get excited about Baron Corbin anyway. But against Dolph Ziggler, jeez, oh. Have you got have you any positivity for this film? Find something not, positive out of this. No, not really, no. I mean, <laughs> the only the only well, the only good thing I can say about it is that firstly, this storyline started many weeks ago on SmackDown, didn't it? When the limousine was backstage and mm-hmm. JBL's voice could be heard in the in the limousine saying to Happy Cor- then Happy Corbin, what happened to you after he just lost? I think it was to I think it was to Nakamura, he just suffered another loss. 
what happened to you getting the limo and they drove off? And it, we haven't heard anything, sight the sound of this story. Was it going to be dropped? Where was it going to go? Were they going to, you know, were they going to do it or not? And so at least here we are. Here is the payoff to it. Sadly, <laughs> the yield wasn't exactly, you know, lucrative, was it, in terms of entertainment value, Kenny? But this was the payoff um, for us, the viewer. And yeah, I'm with you. JBL did a hell of a promo there in Oklahoma. Uh, this was Oklahoma City. Raw was held in, and he's from Texas, as people know. So he buried the residents of Oklahoma in this, you know, almost old school promo, which was very effective. And he was really good at it. And then he sat in on commentary for the match, and he spent the whole match putting Corbin over. And um, yeah, it wasn't a very exciting match. It took forever for Corbin to defeat Ziggler. And JBL was telling us on commentary that Corbin's the future wrestling god and, you know, he's the salvation of this business. And it's like, well, if he is, why is it taking him so damn long to defeat Dolph Ziggler? So that made no sense at all. It really didn't. So Corbin won with the end of days. You know, we'll see where this goes. I mean, we know where it's going to go. I mean... Corbin's not going to make it. He's not going to be anything more than this. We know this because if he was going to be anything more than this, it would have happened already. But here we are, Fen. Here we are. Still I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't want to. Well, I was going to compare him, compare him unfavorably to a name from the past, but I'm not going to do that. And he was a, a wrestler from the nineties who kept turning up again and again and again. You could you know you could put it with crush, surely. Oh yeah, I was gonna mention Brian Adams. <laughs> I always have flashbacks to that time when I wrote something about Brian Adams in Power Sam and took such a beating from the readers over it. I'm always hesitant to even bring up the name Brian Brian Adams. I took a kicking from some readers over that one. <laughs> so we're not for the first time of course. Well, listen, a lot a lot of us who grew up in the nineties as kids had a soft spot for crush. And I don't know why. Which version? Well, I really like Evil Crush okay. against Randy Savage. I really like that storyline. You know, like Randy Savage, I mean, how given was he to his pal that he did that storyline with him and tried to get more so much? Didn't work, obviously. But, you know, he I tried. Mean, I mean, he, he did try. And Corbin almost feel. I think Corbin is far more talented than Brian Adams or Crush ever was. I think he's a better communicator. I think he's got more to offer than, than Crush ever had. Um, but he's a mid-carder for life. He's, he just is. And that's Brian it. Adams can't catch a break. You know, he's still getting lambasted by <laughs> <laughs> This is why I didn't want to go down that road. <laughs> well, you, you can't tell us all I was going to compare him to somebody. We're, we're, then we're all going to be thinking, well, who's, who was it? Who was it going to be? I mean, this is the thing with podcasting. You know, you've just got to keep going. You can't yeah. have long pauses. Nope. You've just got to say it, haven't you? You've got to just get it out there. So poor Brian Adams can take another belting from you today. I don't um, know. I mean, yeah, but Baron Corbin, back to him. I mean, the thing is, he was going to be a big star. And I, I actually think he's fine as a wrestler. Like, he's he's fine. He's not exciting. You know, he's not somebody who, you know, it's not you could go, give me, give me, give me a best of Baron Corbin to watch. <laughs> you know that that pamphlet would be pretty short, but that's it. It wouldn't be a long DVD, would it, Kenny? No, it would not. But I mean, and Dolph Ziggler, just no. 
Six. I mean, he's still there. Why? I mean, he had that little run at the beginning of the year. He was NXT, well, springtime NXT champ. You know, lost the belt back to Bron Breaker. And, do you know what I would mean? do? If I, were, if I were Triple H, I'd be like, Dolph, I'm going to release you right now because I know, I know Big Tony will be on the phone to you within the hour. Get yourself a wee deal, you know, and then you you know move to Orlando so you can be near the dark tapings. You know, go live he, by the beach. He probably lives down there. Does he? I don't know whether he lives down there or not, but I know they've got favourable tax laws in Florida, so that's a do, yeah. part of the reason why a lot of the wrestlers live there. So, um, But you're right, yeah, Tony would be on the phone to him. Dolph would come in. Get that first week mega pop. Well, maybe not mega, but probably a big, probably, you know, quite large. You know, oh, okay, audible, an audible pop. <laughs> Dolph would come in, get that big win. By week three, he'll be on dark. You know what, mm. what happened to Dolph? You know, is, is he with Rusev? Where's he at? <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on from the depravity and depression that was. Dolph and Big Baza Corbs. Um, elsewhere on the show, uh, we did have uh, uh, Seth Rollins. I mean, you did say that you think this is the beginning of a Mustafa Ali push, and it seems to be that that's what's happening. He confronted Rollins, saying he wants to fight him for the US title, said he had a deal with Bobby Lashley. Rollins ends up cheap-shotting him. Um, but then later on, after Rollins uh, defeats... Um, Matt Riddle, Riddle later on the show, uh, Ali attacks him. So it seems like we are le- we are heading towards a Mustafa Ali Seth Rollins TV match. But uh, what did you think of the story throughout the night? Did it work for you? Um, were you happy they did the rubber match with Seth and Matt Riddle? Talk me through all your thoughts. Um, well, I mean, I mean, I think we firstly we have to acknowledge Seth Rollins's um, zebra print cowboy boots that he was wearing. I mean, they Where were a statement. He- they where were... does he go? Where does he? <laughs> I I don't know where you would get those kind of clothes. Well, he, I mean, wearing those, he looked like a member of like a hair heavy metal band from <laughs> nineteen eighty eight. You know, that's exactly the sort of thing that those guys wore. You know, so, but he was wearing this amazing, like crazy sunglasses and this red suit, and came out and um, he was talking about how it was his strategy, you know, to lose to Riddle. Because he had a US title match two days or two nights later. So he had to tap out to, you know, so as not to absorb too much punishment so he could win the US title from Bobby Lashley for us, the fans. He was doing it for our benefit, Kenny, not for his. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mustafa Ali came out and uh, Rollins was saying, Oh, you're a nice guy, Mustafa, you know, good friend to people, help the young guys backstage, blah, blah. And then sucker punched him. So beating down, threw him out of the ring. Uh, Rollins was at ringside. Ali mounted a comeback, beat Rollins down at ringside, but then Rollins mounted another comeback. I think he posted um, Ali on the second uh, beatdown and left him laying. And um, I just thought to myself, you know, hopefully that's not how the story ends for Ali, because if it does, it's back to main event for him. We're not going to see him on Raw again for probably six months. Um, so we should mention that Elias returned and uh, he confirmed that his younger brother, Ezekiel, his career had tragically been cut short and it was, you know, it was it, it was over for him and now he was back as Elias. 
So he was going to do like a musical number. And then Matt Riddle showed up with his bongos. <laughs> and then that led to a bong joke, you know, which everyone laughed at that one. And then we had the Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins US title match. Now, the problem with this match, Kenny, is that the Riddle versus Rollins feud reached its the end of its natural life it's in conclusion. the fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just did. So, I mean, this was like, we didn't really need this match. So, I mean, it was okay, but it just felt to me like a bit of a waste. And, you know, Riddle for Riddle to do the job. Okay, there was interference before the finish. Elias entered the ring and then uh, Rollins shoved Riddle into Elias. Uh, Riddle, uh, like, uh, he was then disorientated and then Rollins hit the, uh, the stomp and scored the pin. So I didn't really like seeing Riddle lose to Rollins here after he'd scored that huge win over him at Extreme Rules. It just felt counterproductive and it just felt unnecessary. And I think, you know, I mean, I know the point of all this was to try and get Elias over because he's back. And then, as you said, Mustafa Ali came out uh, and he attacked Rollins after the match. He basically made the save for Riddle. So, I mean, it wasn't a total loss. And I'm, I was still a bit confused by it all. And I just don't think it did Riddle any favours. And I think as a main event, it was, you know, painfully mediocre, really. And and it shouldn't have been because these two guys who are tremendously talented, uh, Riddle and Rollins, I mean, tremendously talented and had, had really good matches prior to this. So I felt to me like a bit of a damp squib, damp squib ending to their feud. But I am curious to see what Ali does with, with Rollins. And I'm pleased that he's receiving a chance. Um, that was, you know, I sensed that a couple of weeks ago after the Lashley match, as I said on the podcast. So I'm glad that they're, you know, I'm glad that they're continuing without no doubt. They were probably in two minds, Kenny, as to whether or not to do the feud. Probably listen to the podcast. Thought, well, Finley approves. <laughs> it's the F Martin stamp of approval. Let's go with it. Of need. course, that's what they did. So, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that Rollins can do something with Mustafa. I think he's a real talent. I mean, I'm not sure if he can be a big star. I want to believe he can, but maybe, you know, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, if he can be a star, put it this way. If, he, if he's not going to make it in a few with Rollins, he's not going to make it big. I think most of us can agree with that. Yeah, I mean this is this is the this is the chance. I don't I don't have great odds for him. I think they will lose interest because I just think there's a lot of people to push. But yeah, yeah at least he's getting a chance. So we'll see. Yeah, they, he's got a bit of a blandness to uh, to him, hasn't he? As in, in terms of his personality, he's yeah. just not a very exciting personality. It's funny because I think he's he's very interesting and engaging when he's not on TV. Like his story is very interesting. Like I would be doing vignettes with uh, with him. And building who he is you know he's got a great story there's a lot of people with you know his background and his uh, religious beliefs whatever that are you know unfairly treated and you know you could do something interesting with that the crowd are behind him anyway to an extent so i would be doing that route it might be a more successful lacey evans you know because she had her story <laughs> of it being you know being in the war and stuff, but uh, I think yeah, I think that that would be what I would do because otherwise it's just he's just this kind of bland man. Yeah, so. he's. I mean, we we know he's a real talent. He can really go in the ring, but yeah. that's only part of it. And you're right. There's all these other things he should be doing and recognizing his 
you know shortcomings in terms of terms of his you know his his character he's not exactly got a you know incendiary character so i mean you really need to find a way to see to make him seem more interesting to people by doing you know things with him to help him out in that department so uh yeah i'm curious to see um to see what they do with him i hope he works for him you know i mean i really do i mean i think he's a really likable guy i think he's a real talent um and you know rollins is somebody who Obviously, he he did tre- tremendous work with Cody Rhodes, didn't he? I'm not saying that mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes needed as much help as Ali will, but I mean Rollins's you know efforts to you know putting Cody over and working with him to make him appear to be a bigger star than he is, or you know what I mean, just the whole package of just being you know having tunnel vision to make Cody Rhodes into a main eventer. Rollins's work against Cody, to me, it was some of the best of the year anywhere in pro wrestling. Yeah, and we, we, you know, we've, we've been big supporters of Seth recently. You know, we've, we've, we've talked about, you know, how, 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 how impressive it is that he's stayed to the level that he has for so long. So if he can rub any of that off onto Ali, then it can only be a good thing. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We will be back on Thursday on Patreon with Power Slam, Friday on the main feed. Um, and we hope you enjoy your week, everybody. I um, hope you're uh, enjoying yourself. Just my, my advice to you this would be, do not look at the news. <laughs> because when you look at it, it's just depressing. Just stay away from it. There's Until you, until you hear anything, it's just noise. <laughs> that's that's my, my TED talk for today. I woke up this morning and I thought I'll just put I'll just put the news on my phone, and it was just everything from you know China is infiltrating, you know uh, the West, Putin's going to nuclear bomb the world, uh, the UK is fucked. <laughs> it's just, it's Nicholas Sturgeon wants independent. Like, there's just everything. It's all the time. So oh yeah, anyway, everybody. You put world news on, it's like massive inflation in all these European countries. They're not getting on with each other. This, these are the countries that get on with each other. We're not talking about Russia here. We're talking about <laughs> the countries that are all like, you know, supposedly pals. And they're all, you know, worried about having enough energy to see us through the winter and all this blackout talk. I mean, a lot of it. So I've said this before, the peddlers of misery, Kenny. You know, good news doesn't sell. It's bad news that keeps people coming back for more. So I want to echo that advice. Turn the news off. I've turned the news off. And you know what, Kenny? I feel a hell of a lot better for it. And another thing, I've watched loads of wrestling because I've turned the news off. And instead, <laughs> I'm up to date on the wrestling. I'm completely up to date on AEW. I mean, you that, that, you know, so, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, you're, you're caught up. Uh, everything's good uh, but yeah by the time Thursday comes you know we'll be able to maybe chat a little bit about the 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 one night only Tuesday night war for one night see how that goes all oh, right yeah yeah well you know I mean we know that it's going to be John Moxley versus Hangman Adam Page tonight mm-hmm. but also you know Cameron Grimes turned up on Raw we've got uh, this pick your poison match on NXT tonight uh, Rhea Ripley's going to face Roxanne Perez, yes, um, and then uh, who's going to face um, Cora Jade? Who's it going to be? It's going to be uh, Cora Jade's facing Raquel, Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez, Raquel Gonzalez, Rodriguez, Raquel Rodriguez. No, is she not Gonzalez now? 
<laughs> Do you want to just look that one up, Kenny, so we can try and get that right? I'm sure it's Rodriguez. Uh, wait a minute. Where is she now? Hold on. Oh, yeah, it's Raquel versus Cora Jade, and it's Rhea Ripley versus Roxanne Perez, because they've chosen the opponent for the other, haven't they, on mm-hmm. the NXT tonight because it's halloween havoc this saturday which you know looks like a big show maybe we'll talk a little, a little bit about that on thursday yes yeah we'll, t- we'll talk about that we'll talk about what happened on thursday raquel raquel only calls herself raquel on social media so i'm now on WWE's page to see what she's called now hold on let's see raquel well, what's your probably, name i'm sure it's rodriguez and i'm sure it's gonzalez so let's see who who's right on this occasion is it is it the veteran or is the young upstart Got a fluke victory. Let's see. I'm, I'm down to N. We're almost there. Oh, it's Rodriguez. God damn it. Well, I'm glad about that, Kenny. There you go. Uh, you know, <laughs> Cena you know, goes over again. That's what I've written in the magazine. You know? <laughs> and it's yeah, just she, nice what, to be right sometimes. Was Gonzalez as Rodriguez? Because Gonzalez Rodriguez. is her real name. So now she's Rodriguez. No wonder she's only just using her Christian name on a on a social media it's just to uncomplicate things for her in case there's another name change right (laughs) oh god poor Raquel anyway but yeah we'll be back on Thursday slash Friday whenever you're listening to it um to talk about the Tuesday night war and uh, yeah we'll be we'll be back then so we hope you have a nice week everybody and we'll talk to you soon Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.